If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. I want to introduce Jennifer Bailey, who is the head of Apple Pay, who helped bring it,、uh, develop it in the two years or so they were working on it and has brought it to market. You may have seen her at the Apple Developer Conference. So please give a hand, Jennifer Bailey. Well, welcome. So it's kind of the, the it's not even the elephant in the room, it's the Walt in the room. I mean, why did you guys build Apple Pay the way you did, kind of in partnership with the banks, not competing with them, within the existing kind of business、uh, rules or conditions that existed? And, you know, why, why are you guys sticking with that approach? Yeah, it's a great question. When we、uh, thought about payments and Apple Pay, we, we think about it from a consumer experience standpoint. What's best for our customers? What creates the great, greatest experience? And so, after looking at a lot of models that were out there, ones that we could create, we wanted to focus on the payment types that people know and love today. So, many of you all have credit cards and debit cards that you use today. You might love the bank, you might love the points. Uh, and we wanted to support that as the basis for our experience because that's really what customers love、um, today. So that's, that's how we designed Apple Pay. So we focused on customer experience. We focused on making sure that we could do that in a very secure way.、Uh, and then we also focused on our, our third, which was privacy. And were you cognizant? I mean, did you spend a lot of time looking at folks? I think the early folks in payments were trying to insert themselves in a more direct way. Did you guys look at that? Did you always know you wanted to build it the way you ended up building it? Well, I'm sure we looked at all the different models that were out there、um, for sure. You know, we, we spent a long time evaluating what we wanted to do. And again, I think some of our predecessors in this space were focused on the business models associated with, you know, how do you make the most money in payments? And we were focused on what's the best customer experience.、Uh, and, you know, if you think about the way we did this, We tightly integrated, it's what we normally do with Apple products and services. We tightly integrated hardware and software, and we created a service that really、uh, banks could use as a way to deliver their, their products. And so, if you think about it, issuers or banks are sort of special developers on our platform,、uh, like the other app developers. But we really created this capability where they can deliver credit cards and debit cards、uh, today in a tightly integrated way with、uh, iOS. So, Karen kind of talked about it in her intro. I mean, the biggest challenge it's, it's not that it doesn't work well, it, ju it just 
isn't in that many places, and you know, it's, it's still, there aren't that many devices that can use it. Where are we with Apple Pay, and how are you guys working to broaden its acceptance? Yeah. Um, I have to say in the last year of working on Apple Pay, we've seen really a sea change in momentum around acceptance, uh, particularly at the merchant level. Uh, when we launched Apple Pay last year, there were 220,000 locations uh, accepting Apple Pay. Uh, we think, these are different than Karen's numbers, but we think we'll surpass 1.5 million. That's still, there's more to go. Um, but we also know and, and believe that uh, if you look at small and small medium business adoption, you know, the beginning of the year, there were about 60,000 terminals shipping with EMV and contactless. This last month, it was 100,000. So we see actually an acceleration of the adoption in merchant acceptance, and we continue to work with some uh, of the very largest merchants in acceptance. And you guys have some new ones uh, coming down the pipe? Or? Yeah, we have some great ones. Uh, we're really happy to announce today, and actually think Karen set me up uh, perfectly here. We're happy to announce that Starbucks will begin accepting Apple Pay. They're starting an Apple Pay pilot uh, by the end of this year in a number of their stores, and have committed more broadly to rolling out Apple Pay throughout uh, 2016 in 70, all of their company-owned uh, stores, which is about 7,500. And so today you can reload your Starbucks card in the app with Apple Pay. That's right. But you can't pay at the terminal. That's right. Starting in some locations this year and nationwide over the course of next year, you'll be able to pay in-store with your watch or your phone. That's right. Absolutely. And is that tied in? I mean, one of the reasons people use the Starbucks, I assume some people pay for convenience, but they also like to be part of Starbucks' loyalty program. Is loyalty a piece of what you guys are doing with Starbucks? Well, I can't talk about what we're doing with Starbucks specifically, but um, I can talk a little bit about our loyalty program and and, um, how that uh, could relate. So with iOS 9, we ship the capability for customers and merchants to be able to add loyalty cards into Apple Pay. Um, And it works very similar to Apple Pay. It's super simple. So if you add your loyalty card uh, and you go to check out at a merchant, it automatically presents the right card. So you don't have to open the wallet. You don't have to select the card. Uh, It can be a single tap experience. Um, And that's because the terminal is saying, I'm a Walgreens, pull the Walgreens. That's exactly right. And I think if you think about this particular area, I mean, again, this is an area where I agree with Karen. You know, if you, the average U.S. household is signed up for probably about 30 rewards programs. Um, They use or an act of only about 12. Well, why is that? It's, you know, it's, you forget what you signed up with. You don't carry all those cards. Like I say, the little innovation that we've had, you know, is the little dongle thing that you hang on your keychain. And I, you know, I personally stopped, you know, signing up just because it was, it was too much of a hassle. I think with Apple Pay and Wallet and the ability to sort of get those simply integrated uh, into your phone, and it always will automatically present for you, you'll be able to more broadly redeem and, and um, earn rewards. And is that going to be a one step? I just press once and it's going to do both or two steps? Yeah, we've actually des- designed it flexibly. So if you think about the different experiences when you're using a rewards card, like in the case of Walgreens, which will uh, roll out a little bit later this fall, uh, you present your loyalty card or your rewards card uh, first so because that it can it calculate the right, the right prices and give you the right discounts. 
Uh, so in that case, you'll first present the loyalty card. Again, single tap, phone can be uh, you know, from the black screen, and then you can do an Apple Pay uh, payment. In some cases, uh, the merchants can um, do a single tap experience so that the loyalty and the payment is presented at the same time in a single tap. So it really depends on the type of rewards program uh, that the merchants design for their customers. And how, how quickly, how broadly do you expect loyalty to be added, uh, merchants to join loyalty, and are there specific types of merchants that you guys are spending most of your time with first? Yeah, I would say that um, we, Walgreens is rolling out. We, we announced a number of, of merchants who are working with us on loyalty, including Kohl's and, and Coca-Cola, um, Whole Foods, Panera. I, I think it, it will roll out over time. It does require uh, terminal uh, work. So uh, like terminal upgrades, this one's actually quite a bit simpler, but it does re- require some work on the merchant side. So starting this fall? Starting this fall, and you'll see, I think, a lot of momentum as we go through 2016. And do you expect a lot of the big supermarkets, a lot of the big loyalty programs out there today to start? Absolutely. I mean, I, I I think as we um, as we look at some of the in-store experiences that uh, uh, Karen and Walt both mentioned, um, loyalty is a huge part of that. Not only being able to potentially see offers, but to get offers and coupons at the point of sale and be able to do that. So I think it's an incredibly important platform for retailers. They're incredibly excited about what we're doing. And, and I want to point out, actually, that like payments, we don't have any of that personally identifiable information. We simply enable those passes to be created in the wallet, which pass a unique identifier. And that unique identifier, if it's personal information, has to be encrypted. Uh, and that is unique to the merchant. So we don't have access to it. We don't store it on any of our servers. And it really is, again, part of our whole privacy philosophy at Apple Pay overall. And I imagine loyalty is something you heard both from consumers that they would like, but also the merchants saying, I don't want to accept Apple Pay until, you know, I don't, I don't actually care if I'm swiping a credit card or accepting a payment terribly, but I do, that loyalty is a deal breaker. Like I... That's absolutely right. And, and uh, related to loyalty is uh, store cards or private label, which is something that we also announced support for and have rolled out uh, in iOS 9. Uh, we announced you know, Kohl's, BJ's, and JCPenney's as initial partners, and Kohl's will be rolling out later. In the case of store cards, private label, in many cases, that is their form of right. loyalty, right? It's a payment tender and it's loyalty. And to your point, particularly for the big uh, retailers, it's a really important part of their payment strategy, their payment tender strategy, as well as their loyalty program. And so it was really important for us to uh, develop that capability. And we are, again, super excited to uh, have it out. And I think, as you see, as we go through through 2016, we'll see many, many more large merchants uh, adopt Apple Pay, in part because of our ability to accept store cards. Now, and this is kind of like, you know, the the point Walt raised, you know, might someday you guys be a bank. Would would Apple have any interest in, perhaps in addition to the store's own loyalty, its own sort of Apple Pay loyalty, or you guys really see that as the merchant's 
uh, yeah. arena. We really see that as the merchants arena, and it really gets, goes down to, again to our privacy sort of philosophy, which is to be really good at loyalty, to be really good at offers, you actually have to retain a lot of customer data, personal data to do that. So Apple doesn't actually get the purchase information. Today. That's correct. So you and couldn't even do... We that's, couldn't, that's You right. would have to change the way Apple Pay works in order to have an Apple loyalty program. That's right. So uh, the way Apple Pay works today actually is when you use it in store, we don't see that transaction. It never comes to Apple servers. We don't have access to it. So our ability to really do loyalty in that context would, you know, it's pretty much impossible. <laughs> so one of the areas I really want to talk about is, you know, and I think, you know, Karen framed this well, you know, the, there's an opportunity, obviously, to just replace a cred card swipe with a phone tap. Some people will do that just because it's cool or in the right setting it might be faster. But I think the more interesting thing is when does mobile payments transform the experience? Um, what are some areas where you're already starting to see that happen and where do you see that going? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great question. It's one of the areas where we're super, super excited about. Um, so maybe let's start with travel. Because uh, I think we've seen some very interesting, we're seeing some interesting innovation in travel. Um, first, if you think about sort of again more the basic, uh, folks like JetBlue take Apple Pay on board now, so you can pay for your incidentals, and now as you know, you have to pay for everything. Um, for a guy, you know, getting your your credit card out is maybe not such a problem, but if you're as tall as I am and you're sitting in coach and your purse is like under the seat. It's a little bit of a yoga move to get your wallet out. So like in the event of a water landing now, I'll just be able to tap <laughs> yeah. and get a life yeah. vest and so I'll be all good to go. They're going to make you pay for that. <laughs> so, um, so that's great. Um, we're, also, we're also seeing you know, apps like uh, Delta, Delta's uh, Fly Delta app actually is launching today where you can pay with Apple Pay for purchasing and booking tickets. So that's great. Uh, but you can imagine, I think, and we're not, you know, we're not, we're not working on this with anyone, but I think if you can see some error reliance and um, in the technology, you know, you're starting to see this. Let's use mobile phones, your own mobile phones, as the basis for the technology on the plane for your entertainment, as an example. You can easily see taking that and payments and making things like the uh, menu available. You check in, you get the menu, you pre-order, you pay. Helps the airlines determine what kind of food they need to load on the plane. Um, you can do that once you get on the plane, right? So they're not rolling the carts and they're more individually. So you can see a lot of opportunities where integrating not only the payment technology that we have, but the, the broader capabilities, like being able to do boarding passes and check-ins is a great platform. So if you're boarding passes on your phone and there's a payment mechanism, one of the things today that's a huge losses for the airlines are premium seats that don't get sold. And right. they're trying a bunch of things. So now Virgin America is really aggressive with this. You know, 24 hours, I fly them a lot. I get the offer to upgrade for less than it would have been. What most haven't been able to successfully do yet is we've boarded. There's still an unsold seat. Right. How could I do it? It seems like you the, can envision a day where you can do that. With. And you know whether you're whether you're on the plane or you're just standing in the boarding area, uh, and they release those seats, right? You can immediately do that as you're going, and you re, and they can dynamically you, reissue. You the need a device pass. that can be a boarding pass and a payment mechanism. That's right. You guys kind of have one of those. We have that. Yeah. Um, what are some other areas beyond travel that are? really starting to see the business change because of mobile payments. Yeah, so in, also, um, you know, we don't think about this category in sort of as traditional retail, but a huge amount of transactions happen in restaurants and in particular in quick service restaurants. 
Um, and we have some announcements there today, too. We're happy to say that uh, KFC is going to be supporting Apple Pay in the spring. Um, it, it has a special place in my heart. It was my first job ever, KFC. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, a lot of support for for the quick service restaurants who have incredibly uh, a need for very fast payment, right, to process lines, lines and stuff at lunch. But interestingly as well, when you look at what's going on in restaurant, uh, folks like Panera are using their app to not only allow you to order ahead and then pick up in store, but actually to sit at a table and order and then have that food delivered to your table. Uh, when, you, when you talk to the CIO of Panera, he talks about the mom, you know, with the three small children and like getting up in the middle of the restaurant to go get your food is, is not working out, you know, is not a great experience. So we see that kind of sort of in-store physical as well as sort of in-app. Um, we also see uh, folks like Chili's is also announcing that they will be supporting Apple Pay in 2016 with a pay-at-the-table solution. So again, you can sit down uh, and you can order and then you can pay uh, using Apple Pay. They'll be using an NFC-based solution. And what's interesting about that, if you think about um, what, what our restaurant partners have told us, particularly at sit-down restaurants, is about 20% of the time that somebody's sitting at the table is waiting for a check. So not only do you, you know, immediately speed that process up, but you can probably, if you have the ability to order at the table, again, uh, digitally, you're probably going to order more drinks, more food, it's going to come faster, and so the whole experience becomes a much, much uh, more, you know, a better and simpler experience. How about some of those types of approaches? Restaurants, their service businesses, it makes sense. You know, they're reducing touches, they're improving turnover. How much are you seeing retailers want to do something similar? I mean, Apple in its own stores, uh, you don't have to go to the cash register if you don't want to. You can scan your own thing and walk out. Obviously, you guys had to do some unique things to make that possible. You're making some trade-offs around security. How much interest is there from retailers of duplicating that sort of model? I think there's a lot of interest. Um, There's a tremendous amount of interest, I think, in blending what we would call the uh, in-store experience as well as the in-app experience. And one of the reasons that we uh, really developed Apple Pay that we did where we support with really the same credential, the same security model, both the contactless NFC capability, but as well the the in-app model, is because we want that to be over time blended and seamless. So you can imagine going into stores and say scanning and buying. You could also imagine going and scanning and then using that to check out if if they want to have a traditional cashier's till. We know, and there's a lot of work, I think, in exploration around uh, getting offers and coupons, you know, into the apps. Again, not an area that we would get into the middle of from a data perspective, but enabling that in apps so then customers can use that at at the point of checkout. So we do see a ton of interest. I think it's a huge opportunity uh, for retailers as they continue to blend their online business models as well as their in-store models. And can you talk about, you guys have expanded some internationally. I think you're hoping to do more. How is that going and what, what is different? You're in the UK now. Yeah. What's different about there? What are different about other markets that you're not in yet? Yeah. We've had a fantastic launch in the UK. We launched in July. 
Uh, we are now live with 12 of the 13 top banks there, uh, and we've seen fantastic reception. Uh, it does have a better contactless um, acceptance footprint from a merchant perspective, and we are also working with the Transit Authority, tra uh, Transportation for London, who also accepts Apple Pay on the transit. So um, it's, a, it's a great market, and it's a very uh, fast-growing market. As we look at other countries, we want to bring Apple Pay to as many countries as possible, uh, and we're working uh, hard on many and having many conversations and doing uh, a bunch of work there. So it is our goal to bring Apple Pay to as many countries as possible. Have you been traveling much to China lately? <laughs> Well, uh, no update there except uh, to reiterate what Tim has said, which is China is a really important country for us, and, and Apple Pay is a priority there. Um, are the, do you have a time frame? Do you think you know by the end of next year we'll see you in a bunch of countries, or what? what what's your sense for how that rolls out? Well, we haven't. Again, we haven't made any specific announcements about timing. Um, but as I said, we are working hard, and we want to be in as many countries as we can. We talked about Apple not doing a loyalty its own loyalty that's program right. and supporting other merchants in part because that's where you want to be and in part because you've designed a technology that you don't have the data. Um, to Walt's point, is it similarly the case that you can say categorically we have no intention of providing an additional type of payment some point down the road or is it the kind of thing where someday we might see in addition to the traditional credit cards some sort of Apple form of payment? I wouldn't say that, but what I would say is we, um, we generally see Apple Pay, you know, our focus has been, as I said when we started the conversation, to really put uh, payment uh, types on the platform that people use and love. And, and so today, you know, we support credit and debit. We now support, you know, store cards and loyalty. There could be others. Um, as we go uh, into different countries, uh, as we see the business evolve generally with partners. Uh, but our goal is to support the payment types that pe people want to pay with. And as that evolves, we'll evolve with it. So that sounds like not a categorical no, but no immediate plans. All right. Um, one of the issues for the rate of how fast Apple Pay can grow is how fast the terminals can grow. Yeah. Um, you guys made a decision to bet on NFC, Samsung took a different approach and has a technology that works at least to some degree with older terminals. Do you see a need to bridge between in any markets or you know, in anything to use any sort of non-NFC technology? Or are you pretty comfortable that with the changes in the credit card industry, the NFC growth will be enough to support what it is you want to do? Yeah, we, um, we are fully committed to NFC. We think it's the best technology at this, at, you know, for the technology that's out there today. Um, we, as I said, we see a, a large amount of momentum, momentum moving there. We think it's, it's really a timing, you know, and we're seeing acceleration in that. Um, you know, our, our view on Magstripe is that it's a 50-year-old technology. Uh, we wanted to build for the future. We wanted to help move the industry into technologies that will, uh, you know, perhaps last the next 50 years and that have the security, uh, the type of security that we think is important um, going forward. So uh, we, we think NFC is, is a great, and, and contactless generally is a, is a great platform. And there are other, there is one other way to do an in-store experience if you don't have NFC. You can still do it uh, using in-app. Um, you don't have to have NFC, right, if you build an in-app right. payment. Are you seeing traditional retailers that are saying, you know what, we're not going to get to NFC 
as quickly as we'd like. We do want to support Apple Pay. We're going to build a system that actually relies on in-app. Um, we're starting to see some experimentation there, I would say, um, particularly in gas, uh, where uh, it's very, NFC is pretty expensive for the gas, gas companies to uh, upgrade their um, pumps. Um, but so we are, we are starting to see some examples, right, where it may not be in-store experience, mm -hmm. but it could be slightly different environments. Mm. Uh, could be drive-through is another example. Because it's kind of um, awkward at McDonald's to, like... It works. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so there's some, there are some environments where I'd say that it is uh, where there's, there's some different... Um, uh, situations, and I think gas is one that's interesting to look at, uh, and, and I think innovation and drive. Some gas stations are accepting NFC or plan it, have announced plans, right? There are, and there are particularly outside the U.S. It, you know, it's interesting in the U.S. Every pump here is enabled right. for payment. In other countries, that's not the case. So, like in the UK, there are there is NFC, NFC acceptance at and at many of the gas stations because it's a you know drive up to the pump, walk in to the central cashier, right. pay. The other question I have relative to gas is I've always seen these signs, you know, turn off cell phones, danger. You know, was that just nonsense? Is that older cell phones? Are they? you know, just balancing, yeah, we're going to, you know, get lots of happy customers, so if a couple blow up, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I can't talk specifically to um, how the regulatory bodies and, the, and, and those folks look at that. I, we definitely see that changing, right? There's been a lot of... It I seems think, like you can't have both. You can't right, say, right. welcome Apple no, Pay, turn off your that's cell phone. Really, that's really started to change, I think. In the same way, you know, from, air, from an airline perspective, you saw this transition is like, okay, you have to turn off everything. You can't have ever, anything. But the pilot's using his iPad. Right. You know, now you can kind of have it on until you, you know. So, so I think it's the same kind of transition that's happening there. Um, you guys have also had some success. Early on, there was, it seemed like, you know, this Apple versus MCX thing. A lot of mm. those MCX folks have quietly come over to your camp. I think one of them starting today. Is that right? Yeah, great. Um, Best Buy is uh, live today with Apple Pay in all 1,400 stores nationwide. And that so we're just started. Just started today. Um, we, and we've announced a number of other, uh, I mean, there's other folks live that were previous MCX members. Uh, Myger is another one. Um, we have uh, more announced, Dunkin' Donuts, Kohl's, as we've talked about. Uh, and we're working with several others. So um, we are starting to see uh, Rite Aid actually uh, turn back on their NFC uh, readers, uh, their radios, as, um, as their uh, exclusivity with MCX uh, ended. So we are seeing a lot of momentum with the MCX members as well. Does Apple need to do anything on its own to accelerate uh, NFC terminal adoption? Is it happening at a healthy pace? What, what, I mean, there's some changes coming. I think people in the industry know, but a lot of companies are going to take EMV, which is instead yeah. of you swiping, you're sticking it in and there's a chip. What does that mean for Apple Pay? Yeah, so it's, it's actually the EMV transition for us is fantastic. 
You know, virtually every terminal that's shipping now for the EMV transition is shipping with contactless. Um, but we still have a role to play, and I think we are playing a role. We're working with uh, all of the large merchants, top 100 merchants, and then we have folks focused on working with the payment acquirers, who are the folks that really ship into small and medium businesses. And our role there is really one of education. We train the sales forces. We make sure they understand how Apple Pay works. We are also working with the merchants to help provide training uh, into the, the, uh, their associates and cashiers. Uh, so it is it's an education process from a consumer perspective, and we believe it's really important to do that at the point of sale through our merchant partners and through the payment acquirers. So uh, we have a team of folks that is 100% dedicated to that. Is there a role for Apple Pay in other types of products? Is, I mean, you can pay in app, you can pay in store, you guys sell a fair number of computers. Is there a place for Apple Pay in just the general web browser? Does it not make as much sense? Um, I think, you know, our goal is to have very broad Apple Pay acceptance um, in, in all the ways that people pay and where they pay. Uh, we pay a lot in the browser. Well, yeah. So I think we, we, um, we not only are focused on uh, expansion in terms of, you know, physical locations, but we're focused on expansion in other ways as well. I think our work there is always continuing to maintain the security model and the privacy models that we have as we do that. And obviously in the browser, you, you know, in the phone, especially if it's your phone, you know a lot about the internals from a security perspective. You have biometrics for authentication browser, even on the Mac, there's, you know, there's, there's some things, there's a camera, there's some things you can do, but there's a range, and then if it's not your computer, there's even more variability. Yeah. Is that kind of the primary hurdle there? Well, today, no, well, today is an example. All of the places where you can initiate payment from require the secure element. I think Walt, Walt talked about the secure element. So it's a physical piece of hardware. It's, mm. We think about it as the hardware vault where the payment, uh, the token, which is not the real credit card, but a sort of a virtual credit card is stored. Uh, so today our model is that a secure element has to be present. There's a, there's a secure element in your watch. If you have a watch, when you tap to pay, uh, it's separate from your phone. Uh, and so that's an important part of our security model today. No one's ever built a computer with a secure element, have they? Not that I'm aware of. Interesting idea. Um, all right, well, I definitely want, I'm sure folks here have some questions. Are there folks in the audience with questions? I could talk all day, as I often say on stage. But uh, Yeah, so, uh, so it seems like tokenization has the potential to prevent uh, the retailer uh, security breaches that have happened in the past. Uh, but at the same time, uh, both you know, banks, uh, card processors, card issuers, and merchants are using that data for marketing analytics and also increasingly for card-linked offers. And uh, so my question is, is the tokenization through Apple Pay uh, going to prevent some of those uh, uses of that data, particularly in the card-linked offer space as well? So like something like thanks and some of those? Well, card-linked offers, you know that banks or merchants would uh, tie into purchases that you made at their stores um, and, and give you discounts and so forth based on your credit card transaction. Yeah, I'm familiar with card-linked offers. To be honest, I'm, I, uh, I haven't really thought deeply about the implications of tokenization. What I, what I can say is that if you think about a token, it is unique and it's, it can be transient. So the token on my watch is different from the token on my phone, which is different from the token on my iPad. 
And so the fact that there's a token actually makes it harder to do what you're talking about because that may not be represented yeah, in those systems. That's exactly my point. But the bank still knows you've used its card. The bank, the bank has, is all-knowing. So it seems like it's, it depends how it's structured. If it's a merchant, if you have to get the discount there at the merchant because you're using the card, it sounds like that would be tougher. But if it's the bank, like B of A gives me credit if I use certain things, it seems like they could still do that because they know I've used their card. Is that... That's right. The, the, the banks can tie tokens to accounts and to users. And so from that perspective, if it's at a user level, then, then it would be a similar type of capability. Thank you. Uh, hello, Jennifer. Um, I have two questions, actually. One uh, relates to, obviously, uh, you talked a little bit before about Apple's uh, expertise in integrating the hardware and the software. And uh, obviously, you're facing uh, merchant adoption and, or I should say acceptance as uh, one of the main issues. Uh, I'm wondering if you've looked at... We like uh, to think of it as an opportunity. Or an opportunity, and I'd like to look at it like that as well. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if uh, you've given any thought to perhaps uh, allowing or integrating payment acceptance within Apple Pay and then providing merchants the ability to uh, use Apple Pay, if you will, to accept Apple Pay from consumers so that you are enabling them by providing a NFC acceptance device, which is an Apple device. So the phone being like its own reader for Apple Pay? Uh, well, today, um, today, obviously, there are products like um, Pay Anywhere, which is an attachment to the phone um, or, or to the iPad, which allows acceptance from that perspective, and again, it's also EMV compliant, so you can do both contactless as well as EMV. But it's an that's attachment. how we that's how we're focused on it today. But it's an that's an attachment. It is an attachment. And Square said they're going to have. That's right. Square is another has announced the Square Reader, uh, and so we're excited about that coming to market as well. But any thoughts of peer to peer, peering two phones? We're we're focused on the the capabilities that we've talked about there with with Pay Anywhere and Square as attachments or or accessories to uh, our devices or built in. What you see in some of the there are some tablet um, uh, config like some of the uh, Pay at Table solutions are integrated into a tablet uh, kind of configuration where in the the uh, tablet holder uh, they are integrating payment uh, uh, readers. Great, thank you. Uh, second question. As we move to uh, sort of adopt uh, additional functionality within wallets to give a, a more true wallet ex uh, experience, if you will, to, uh, to uh, eliminate the need for a physical wallet, uh, currently mobile wallets pay out. They, they, they pay out, but they don't have the ability to accept uh, funds in. Or That's typical. I'm just wondering if you've given any thought to uh, the ability to uh, accept payment into Apple Pay from perhaps other uh, wallets not, that are not Apple Pay or perhaps that are also Apple Pay? You know, we're focused right now on um, payment acceptance, as you, as you call it, and, and, and payment. I think we, we have stated a longer-term goal to replace the wallet. Uh, it's a longer-term goal. So I think you can assume that um, all those different functions that might be in the wallet today are some things that we're looking at. Great. Tim, and then I have one more question for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just wondering, uh, for people who have both a watch and a phone, what's the kind of difference in usage? Uh, of, you know, is, does the watch increase 
the amount that people spend with Apple Pay if they have one. And also, I think last year you said that a million people or a million credit cards have been added to Apple Pay in the first three days, and I wondered if you had any update on that stat. Yeah, great question. So uh, what's interesting about your first question is the answer to that would be we don't know, uh, and we don't know because we don't get that data. Um, based on some third parties, as an example, we know that uh, I like to say Apple Pay is the killer app for the watch. 80% of the Apple Watch, this is according to third-party sources and, and, and um, research, that 80% of the Apple Pay, uh, the Apple Watch users are using Apple Pay very actively um, and are, you know, love it. Um, in the context of Apple Pay generally, the, the, the other research really talks to customer satisfaction uh, for Apple Pay on the phone at 98%, which is, again, sort of an astounding, incredible number that we, that we love. So I think that um, our overall, again, our feeling from an overall momentum perspective is, as Walt says in the first inning here, we are uh, fabulously on track and we're really happy with where we are. But no new stats on cards or payments. Okay, one more and then can I have one? Um, so when you think about what you all are doing across the future of retail space, you've got iBeacons and things like that and the payment platform. Can you talk a little about where the connection is between those, and are they connected? Sure. I mean, I think the there's sort of a limitless um, uh, types of uh, innovation that can really happen, not only with uh, beacons, but with other location-aware type of services. Um, and so, again, we believe we have a set of technologies uh, both for things, like I said, in restaurants and in-store, where there can be a lot of innovation about how customers receive information, either via beacons or other means, within proximity to uh, different locations, and then how that might create an opportunity for a payment or a transaction to occur. So it, it's very different, I think, depending on which industry you're talking about, which vertical, uh, but we think the opportunity, again, for innovation here is absolutely huge. And we are really just at the beginning. Thanks. So one last question before I let you go on a completely different subject. Uh, you know, one of the things that makes you unique is you're running this huge new payments business. You know, the other is, you know, we haven't seen a lot of female executives at Apple in prominent positions. There have been some over the years. The general counsel was a woman. Lisa Jackson was hired. But you've been at Apple quite a while. You know, diversity is obviously a very hot topic in Silicon Valley. What is it? What has your experience been like at Apple, and has it shifted over time? Yeah, my. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say I, I wouldn't be sitting here if my experience hadn't been fantastic. So, so we'll start there. I think Apple. Um, Apple's a fabulous company, and it's a company that believes strongly in diversity. I think Tim's talked a lot about that, um, and my own experience. Has, has really not changed over the years. It's always been a place where I felt that I haven't been treated differently uh, because I'm a woman. I've been given you know, incredible opportunities. I've had the opportunity to work with incredible people. Uh, and, and having said that, I think we, we readily uh, sort of see the issues in terms of not enough women in technology. Uh, and Apple has a number of initiatives underway to really work on that. Um, we have an, include, an inclusion and diversity team uh, who is, is focused on, on changing and helping us uh, do things there. We, we work with the National Center 
for women in technology on their programs. We're a, we're a big partner of theirs, which really encourages women to not only stay in STEM, but to uh, help them in their career growth as they go through uh, you know, various stages in their career. Uh, and in fact, I'm heading to Grace Hopper next week to help us recruit some more uh, women into Apple uh, on the technical side. So. You say that your experience has, has always been a positive one. Has the company as a whole changed under Tim? We're certainly hearing a lot more about diversity. Uh, you know, he's, he's spoken out about it a lot. Is it a different place to work from a diversity standpoint uh, under Tim than it was under Steve Jobs? I think it's something that we talk about more, but I feel, I, I, I honestly feel like, you know, Apple is very uh, much a meritocracy. You know, it's about what you do and how you do it and, and your success. Um, and so from that perspective, I think the core culture hasn't changed. I think we're bringing to light more and we're focusing on it more um, what we need to do to, to be more proactive in bringing more diversity uh, into the company. But I think it's always been a very positive culture from that perspective, but I think we are working on it more. Well, Jennifer Bailey, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.